everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the State House. Uh, it is March Madness here at Chillin' in the State House, which means we're even... <laughs> both in basketball and outside of basketball. <laughs> That's t- but you know we're we're still as chill as ever. And I am Andrew Ball, one half of the Topeka Capital Journal's uh, State House team. I'm joined as always by my colleague Jason Go Cats Tid. Jason, I. Are you, are you ready for tonight's game? You're in purple. I, I am. I, I'm wearing my purple today. Yes, I'm I'm impressed with the purple outfit. Uh, I, I am chill right now because we are able to record the podcast before K-State plays. Yeah, we could record several podcasts by the time K-State plays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Friday night at 8.40 p.m., assuming the previous games finish on time. Which is uh, bold. <laughs> yeah. uh, just, just hoping we aren't the three seed that gets upset. That third voice you hear is, as always, John Rock Chalk Hanna of the Associated <laughs> Press. Yes. KU grad, yes. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. My Jayhawks seem to be doing okay so far. So, Knock on? Knock on, well, Feathers. here on my head, wood. Um, well, gentlemen, March Madness on the basketball court. March Madness on the Friday news that we have had today. It has been a busy day in State House world. It's almost as if all that garbage that's been piled in the streets of Paris has been brought over here and dumped on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> that is a that is an image. Well, you uh, uh, people should know that it's nothing personal against the people doing the dumping, but in the biz that we're in. A late Friday release of news is known as dumping the trash. Well, granted, uh, it didn't come out at five or five thirty. Right, PM. that's true. They yeah. didn't like really a certain, uh, report on clergy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a certain a certain departing attorney general dropped on the last Friday in office at what was that five o'clock? It was five fifteen well after five. Yeah, it was more five fifteen. Uh, that that goes in the uncool PR things to do Hall of Fame. Now, one one of the news dumps did come out. Oh, around 3 p.m. So we we had enough time, and it was expected. Yes. And then the other one uh, came out in the regularly scheduled and, and Friday the courts, morning court the, news release. Right. The Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court, they do release their stuff on Fridays generally around 9.30 a.m. So that wasn't a true, true news dump. Well, the one piece of news we, we kind of expecting, uh, Governor Laura Kelly, I think we talked about last week, had until Wednesday to veto uh, a ban on trans or sign a ban well, on transgender. There was really no question, was there? Well, no, and and <laughs> uh, the ban on transgender athletes in girls and women's sports. The governor vetoed it today for the third straight year, setting up a fight with the legislature, who will now go about trying to override said veto. There's certainly a. a I think we. I said you, you heard this probably last week, but there is a path to override that veto. A lot of it is contingent on whether F- Representative Ford Carr, a Wichita Democrat, will vote to uh, override or whether he will flip. Uh, he voted for the original bill, the only Democrat to do so in the legislature. So plenty to watch there. And uh, Jason, yet yeah, the courts got a little frisky today, too, did they? Yeah, so 
uh, if you have been a follower of Ye Hear News, you might have heard about the League of Women Voters and Loud Light lawsuit against the Secretary of State and Attorney General. Uh, it was over a wide-ranging voting rights law or election security law uh, from they 2021. They restrictions in election laws. And, and the piece that you have probably heard of is the voter registration uh, one that has made it to the Kansas Supreme Court, and we're waiting on a ruling from them. But another piece that has flown under the radar, two pieces actually, is the so-called ballot harvesting restriction. Uh, it limits the number of ballots that a single the thing person that is can called ballot is, it, the things the thing Republicans in Kansas insist on calling ballot harvesting, even though it is not ballot harvesting. It is the third party deliverance delivery of mail ballots. Ballot harvesting is something that happened in North Carolina when people went around collecting un incomplete and blank ballots. They stole them, they filled them out illegally, and they stuffed a ballot box in a congressional race. That's ballot harvesting. What we're talking about here is somebody going to a nursing home and saying, hey, can I deliver your residence ballots out of the arguably goodness of my heart and the administrator saying, yeah, and you take them over and give them to the election office. And there was also the signature matching yes. mandate statewide. Um, and the the reason why these were challenged is, I mean, as John said, I mean, for nursing homes, as an example, it is a way to help residents vote who the, might not be able to make it to a polling place as the, easily. The, the Republican legislators said uh, these things would prevent fraud despite the complete lack of evidence that these practices, the the at least the third-party delivery of ballot, there's, there was no evidence whatsoever that in Kansas this had created uh, a fraud now the signature match they will argue that of course if the signature you do it does not match the signature on the ballot uh there is a problem that is potential fraud of course people's signatures change over time uh and even day to day and it can be the argument of the voting rights advocates is that it can be very subjective it and the uh, judges highlighted that the plaintiffs cited a study that something like 26% of signature reviews by lay people uh, actually toss out legit signatures. Yeah. Well, well we should explain what, what the ruling today from the Kansas Court of Appeals means. So last year, the, uh, Teresa Watson, a Shawnee County District Court judge who is a pretty consistently conservative voice district court level dismissed the the signature matching and ballot collection restrictions uh, the challenge the, the challenge to those yeah uh that was appealed to the court of appeals yeah. and also dismissed a request for an injunction against them yeah basically saying dismissing the case kind of dispenses with the need for an injunction to Jason's point. But why that matters is the Court of Appeals today unanimously said that Judge Watson uh, did not properly uh, 
handle the case. She applied a lower standard of review than what she should have. She should have, the Court of Appeals says, applied strict scrutiny, which means that the government, in order to uh, defend these laws, must say there is a compelling government interest and that the law is the most narrowly tailored way of advancing that interest. And the reason why this matters is they said under under the 2019 case that said there is a constitutional uh, protection for the right to an abortion. Uh, they said that the right to vote under the Kansas Constitution is a fundamental right and thus should merit this level of strict scrutiny, which is an interesting and potentially very significant place for the well, appellate and, court and, to and go. Not only did the three-judge panel, the Court of Appeals hears things in three-judge panels, say that voting is a fundamental right. It, it said voting is the most fundamental right in, in uh, a representative, a republic-slash-representative democracy, uh, however you want to term what we've got, where you must, to govern, you must con- obtain the consent of the governed. I that was reading that opinion was very interesting how many times they cited the Hodes Nauser case on abortion from 2019. Uh, I mean, it must have been several dozen times, it seemed, reading over it. So that that is another reason that conservative Republicans are are probably going to be torqued over this decision because now it's starting to be a precedent in other cases. Well, and we should say Attorney General Chris Kobach blasted the decision saying that it is radical and I think one of the most extreme uh, rulings on voting rights in the country is how he put it. He says he's going to appeal to the Kansas Supreme Court. Uh, As a practical effect, uh, what happens if depending on if the Kansas Supreme Court wades or wades in, wades or does not wade in, we'll see. But the Court of Appeals uh, says they're sending the case back to the district court level, basically instructing Judge Watson to apply that higher level of review and pretty strongly insinuating that she should be uh, finding these laws to be unconstitutional and that if she does not, they take a fairly dim view on on these provisions i that, well you think I, that's fair to say yeah John? that's fair to say and i i, I w- you would of course expect uh the attorney general of the state to appeal and defend the law that's kind of his job but particularly attorney general Kovac well with yes, respect be- to voting rights yes because he was a big promoter of the idea of the potential of massive amounts of fraud when he served as secretary of state I mean, he was involved in drafting, you know, the photo ID law. He was the architect of the now on hold uh, proof of citizen. You had to show your citizenship papers if you're a new voter registering. And during the fall campaign, he uh, expressed fears over ballot harvesting. Yes, again, what they're talking about is not ballot harvesting, but yes, that's what they call it, ballot harvesting. Um, anyway, I anyway, and and to be fair to them, lots of states have various restrictions on who can deliver ballots for other people. So it is not out of it is not some random weird thing that we limit it to ten. Um, but 
be that as it may, it's going to be interesting to see the pleadings and the questions from the Kansas Supreme Court because it, it I would have a question of whether a court that declared access to abortion a fundamental right and laws on abortion deserving strict scrutiny would then turn around and say essentially that voting is a lesser right. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of signs that Attorney General Kobach is going to... He's going to have an uphill battle yeah. convincing this Supreme Court, well, which, the, which of course, then will fuel more discussion in the Repu- Republican-controlled legislature about changing the way the court is selected. And maybe, maybe also, you know, you saw this with school funding when the decisions went against the legislature. There were lots of amendments proposed, constitutional amendments proposed on school funding. The abortion amendment that got torpedoed by voters by a pretty decisive margin in August, that was a response, of course, to the Kansas Supreme Court decision. So, it, very interesting back and forth about who gets to decide all these constitutional questions. And it's interesting how the Court of Appeals ruled this time around when the other aspect of this law, the uh, the uh, impersonating an election official, which the voter advocacy groups say potentially criminalizes voter registration efforts, the same district court judge, Teresa Watson, uh, denied an injunction well, against that. The Court of Appeals, a divided Court of Appeals, did not uh, disagree. Uh, they they upheld well, and, Watson's and the ruling, issue th- and now it's at the Supreme Court. And when listening to the oral arguments here about two months ago, uh, the most conservative justice, Caleb Stiegel, he... He seemed just as uh, uh, he he questioned the state's arguments pretty heavily, so it, it's possible that was that on a free speech basis. You know, uh, I am going to refer you to cjonline.com. Okay, well, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll go reread your story and try it, to remember whether January it was, on, was because too long actually, ago for me to uh, uh, actually, a lot of folks. A lot of folks who are pretty conservative turn out to be one of the hallmarks of that sometimes is a, a, an utter devotion to free speech, uh, almost to the point of libertarianism. So, I mean, Justice Stiegel was uh, questioning both attorneys uh, pretty did he, did he did he drop learned references to the Federalist Papers or Gargantua and Pantagruel or no, some other medieval no, literature? No, but I think I have his uh, comparison to a certain kind of hat. I think bowler caps. Bowler caps. Some yeah. some ancient hat. Justice Stiegel is a is a student of history and. Uh, classic literature and and does that mean that he's a listener of the chilling in the state podcast well we hope so (laughs) maybe we'll get cited in his next opinion well really quickly though i I think we don't want to overlook what might be one of the more significant impacts if this ruling winds up holding up which is 
that would be a big blow to the legislature's potential future efforts to restrict voting rights, which they have signaled this session they are very interested in, um, with the Senate passing not just a bill eliminating the three-day grace period for mail ballots, but also a ban on ballot drop boxes. And the House also passing, I believe, that three-day well, grace I, period. Well, that, that would be an interesting, that would be an interest. those would be interesting things to watch because ballot ballot drop boxes in theory are about if you listen to their supporters they're about greater access and getting ballots in on the other hand the three-day grace period most states don't have that so you know you would you would essentially have to conclude that there's something interesting and different somewhere in the kansas constitution that requires a three-day grace period and then you'd have to you'd have to discuss why nobody ever found the problem for however many years the state didn't have a three-day grace period. But that that's not getting to the arguments of whether it's good or bad, but the argument is, does the state constitution require it? And we're not, I mean, the other thing we're not really factoring in here is just kind of as an aside is the redistricting decision. Uh, when the court, uh, I think it broke down four to three, decided that partisan gerrymandering is not a violation of the state constitution. So, I mean, it's not like they're. Cons- I mean, it's it. It's not like they're. Uh, there's a. Uh, I. They're not completely what the Republicans would call a liberal slash activist court all the time on these big issues definitely i was struggling to figure out how to say it it is friday afternoon yes well definitely one to watch and i mean i think if it does go to the supreme court this will be one of the most closely watched cases since hodes Uh, yes and we had a lot of fun watching hodes I can imagine. My goodness, we waited years for that one. When we say we, we mean John and other <laughs> people in the state house. Andrew was. Uh, were, were you even in the country in 2019? I was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so no, he wasn't in the country. <laughs> you know, he wasn't in real. America. I wasn't in God's country. You weren't in God's country. You were in Harrisburg, right? Yeah, I used to cover state there government parts, in Pennsylvania. There are parts of Pennsylvania that would aka where my father grew up that would probably qualify as god's country but then philadelphia clearly does not right i mean i like philadelphia well i like philadelphia too but it's just your average conservative is not going to think of philadelphia as god's country probably not go chiefs (laughs) case in point right there well should we backtrack to the to the news that we were going to discuss right up until today happened on the podcast? Uh, John mentioned school funding earlier, and that was yes, yes, I did. That was probably the big thing in the state house this week was uh, a proposal to create educational savings account, which is a fairly well known school choice. I guess I could put school choice in air quotes because public schools and their allies don't see it that way, but. Uh, kind of akin to a, a voucher program, but slightly different. Oh, no, no, different. no, Andrew, it's not vouchers. I know, but it, it's it's not totally out of the same well, vein. Well, the technical difference is a voucher is the state sends you a check, and then you spend it on private or homeschooling or educational expenses. So there's no, this is, a, there's a, 
there's a an account set up for you with the state treasurer and the state deposits money there and then you spend it. I mean, but colloquially, so people colloquially, understand what we're talking about. It, it colloquially, it, this would fall under what what a lot of people would consider in a very broad definition, a voucher. But Jason, this was not a slam dunk for the Republican Kansas House to pass, was it? I mean, a pretty slim margin. Uh, yeah, it was a slim margin, I'd say so, because I got locked in the House along with the representatives <laughs> when they had their first call of the House of the session. The uh, vote started out at 60 to 64 uh, when you need a 63 yeah. to at a minimum of 63 votes in the 125-member House. Uh, so Republican leadership uh, had a call of the House. Everybody, all the lawmakers are uh, stuck in their seats, shut the doors, uh, look for the one member who is not in the chamber. Sometimes harder than other times. Yeah, Uh uh, they went on a wabbit hunt. They a wabbit hunt. Yes, I don't. I don't. It was kind of the. It was kind of one of those hunts where you walk slowly down the hall, look up in the corners, and go, "Gee, I wonder where this representative is." And and, and who was that representative? It was Bill Sutton of Gardner, a Republican. And he was in the building before oh, yes. that. Yes. Uh, and he was in the building again magically after Republican security. Funny how that flip flops to uh, get the bill to pass. He came back in with a smile and I believe a coffee mug. And uh, so maybe he went down to, to the uh, pass, I think, 64 61. So maybe he just wandered downtown to get himself a cup of uh, coffee, as one does, as one does in Topeka. No, I mean, this is a very, this is a very, very standard legislative technique. The rabbit uh, goes to hide, and then the leadership twists arms one way or the other you know in the old days they all st in the old days they used their desk phones well now they're all on their their cell phones so they can be texting or or calling and then they're over there on the republican side up against the wall the marbled wall was mike brown the state gop chairman uh and so they were working and working the room and and it didn't last that long i mean i think it was only what 40 minutes yeah 40 minutes i mean maybe an hour so they must have it you know sometimes there's a situation where you have people who will vote yes but they don't want to be the 63rd vote and that happened fairly quickly where a number of people switched but you know i've been in a couple of calls of the house that have lasted you know, four, five, six hours. Not very pleasant when that happens. Yeah, to uh, moderate your fluid intake, I would yes. imagine. Um, yeah, nobody, nobody leaves any, nobody leaves any bowls or cans around. So, needless to say, the bill does not have enough support in the House for a veto override. <laughs> should it come to that? But uh, we had almost similar drama in the senate uh yeah, that was a whole mess yeah the 
which gets the, the maybe Senate way was, into more into you know that that was yeah they were talking about what the rules were you know they had appointed the senate members of a conference committee and in theory the bill was going to be picked up and moved to the house but of course physically that hadn't happened and the house hadn't appointed its conferees so could you have a motion to concur that if it failed would what kill the bill or maybe i mean i I, I don't know, and, and Dinah Sykes got into the Senate mi minority leader, got into it uh, over the rules with the Senate president, and um, well, I, will, uh, I will say the tone of voice she used was the tone that my mother used to use when I was young and I asked for something like for the sixth time. Well, to to take a step back to uh, set the stage for that, uh, bills get read into the chamber. I, so this bill had passed the House, uh, what, Wednesday early afternoon, uh, goes over to the Senate, gets read in toward the end of the Senate's day, Wednesday afternoon, a normal procedure. But the Senate Democrats uh, used a procedural move in an attempt to force a vote at that moment, uh, seizing an opportunity when a few Republicans were seemingly out of the room. Mm -hmm. uh, and there were some uh, procedural moves going on, and seeing that a debate on school choice that was not expected was about to happen, the independent senator... Uh, Dennis Pyle from Hiawatha moved to adjourn. Uh, a majority of senators agreed to adjourn, so they went home for the day. Uh, when they came That's... back in Thursday, they had to pick back up where they left off, and uh, the Senate Democrat procedural moves failed in part because of a seeming loophole in the Roberts Rules and uh, parliamentary procedure, of course, Republican leadership. Uh, the Democrats accused Republicans and, and the Independent accused Republicans of rewriting the rules essentially to what fit them best in the moment. Republicans uh, were not happy with that accusation because, and said that that is what because why why would anybody ever think jason that the rules in the end are what uh, what the what a majority of people say they are why would they ever because that's how every rules debate is ultimately settled in the legislature in the house and the senate because you can't you these manuals are i won't say they're general because they're you know they're thick little books but they can't possibly cover every scenario and you know as time goes on legislators find new and different things ambiguities etc to to test and so i think the the senate secretary uh said that they, when the rules committee was discussing the ruling, they cited uh, him, but he, they also admitted that he told them that it had never happened before, it had never come up. And Andrew, you had said that 
if the Democrats had proven successful in this rules challenge, that it could have set an interesting precedent that maybe some uh, Republicans would not have wanted the, the Republicans who might have joined the Democrats in this instance. Yeah, it kind of would have maybe set a precedent that would have caused conference committees to break down at least until Republicans could have amended the rules to clarify. Right, things. right. I mean, th- th- look, this is normally this is normally routine. The um, the House, as Molly Baumgartner, the Senate Education Chair, put it, the House gutted the Senate bill, so it would be routine, like take ten or twelve seconds almost to put it into conference and send the thing over to the House and have them appoint their members. So yes, if somebody figures out a way how to block that and throw a monkey wrench into the process, you can see a lot of people trying that in the future. Like just as if, just as if. You're a Republican who, say, supports Medicaid expansion. The bill is stuck in committee. There's a vote to pull it out of committee. And you you might not vote for it because you can picture you might be a chair yourself and you can picture somebody doing this to you. So that that element is out there. But it was it was I I imagine I imagine that if a lot of people tuned into the Senate at that moment, the reaction was like, what in the world are these people arguing about? Well, of course, and what it was basically about was the minority leader, Dinah Sykes, wanted to slow that bill down. And if she could kill it, that would be a side benefit. Well, I want to return a bit to the substance of the yes. debate, because I think the House debate was interesting I, I think kind of all the the parliamentary procedure of it all is somewhat of a moot point because this bill struggled to get even the bare minimum of support and a lot of that was republicans from more rural areas yes. were seemingly swayed by the arguments from local school districts which is this is going to really hamstring them and while there are some private schools, particularly parochial schools in more rural areas, they are not nearly as uh, frequent as they are in suburban Kansas City, suburban Wichita, mm-hmm. Topeka. Uh, that's really, actually, those are probably I mean, the three big I areas. I would say the Wichita ones aren't suburban. They are in city limits. Well, but, I but mean... I, but the but, but, I would, but yes. for Republicans, probably the biggest supporters of this are from suburban Casey and suburban Wichita. Right. The, the I mean, I talked to a rural Republican who opposed the bill, and he said in the House, and he said, "Look, we don't have this. You know, we don't have this business of this is the way he put it." Uh, boys using the girls' restrooms. We don't have this business of, you know, all these gender issues being raised in the classroom. You know, there's not CRT or stuff like that because it's a locally elected school board that runs the school. And he said, so we, you know, we like our schools. We're comfortable with what they're doing, so we don't want to undercut them. And in many small towns, the argument goes, if you didn't have the school, you wouldn't have a town. And so that is back in the back of rural rural legislators' minds. And afterward, Bill Clifford from Garden City 
uh, who's a Republican from out there, and he voted no. He said he heard from a lot of homeschoolers who didn't like the bill because the way he put it was they didn't want the government in their living rooms. They don't, you know, they don't want any entanglement with government. Now, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's a widespread feeling or not, but he certainly felt so. So, and some other ardent conservatives, Representative Trevor Jacobs, of oh course, yes. Scott voted against the bill. I think on similar grounds. We should note Representative Clifford, uh, his wife used to be on the State Board of Education. Yes, that's so right. Perhaps had a someone uh, else in his here. Uh, you know, the, the the public schools and their their allies were. This was their big issue the last couple months of lobbying people against very active on social media and uh and of course this was paired with their other big issue of increasing special special education funding right a maneuver and committee uh, an attempt seemingly to try and win over the votes needed to pass it or maybe even uh you could argue uh try and talk governor kelly into supporting it, it. it was an attempt to push her into try, trying to push her into support it giving her her big special education initiative at least the first year of it i mean the the philosophical idea behind these bills whether whatever you call it whether you call it a voucher an education savings account however you structure it goes through the treasurer goes directly to the parent whatever the the thinking is the philosophical thinking behind the bill is is that you you're doing this to give parents a choice so that if they're unhappy with the local public school the public school they're in you know it's not a good fit for the kid their kids getting bullied they don't like the principal the academics aren't strong enough whatever whatever the issue is they have a choice to take their kid out and move them to private school start a home school find a home school that's already going and now there are these new things called micro schools. Yeah, I mean, th- what what John just explained was basically what Representative Christy Williams, yeah, uh, that's her argument, Republican and, and the you, main supporter of this bill, was making that case. I mean, even if you're from rural Kansas and don't have a private school, you could go start a micro school yourself. Right, and and, she, and Ty Masterson has said that this is you know one way to deal with the question of you know what what did he call it the woke sexualized agenda you know uh in in public schools you know as you give parents a choice to take their kids out now of course the critics would point out that you know okay uh who oversees the home schools and who makes sure that their teaching is up to snuff and that the kids are learning well the micro schools, as uh, Representative yeah. Williams described them, uh, was essentially the same as what one-room schoolhouses were back in the day. Uh, yeah. Back in the day when you were a student, John, <laughs> uh, you you went to a school larger than probably most schools in Kansas. Yeah, my my high school, my graduating class was, I think, 827. And let me tell you, that was a long graduation ceremony. Um, but, but Chris Williams was saying, you know, yeah, you could have a 15 year old, a six year old, a 12 year old. All she in was one extolling class. the virtues of the one room schoolhouse. Yeah. And saying that you could have a teacher at a micro school who doesn't have any kind of 
specialized education or training or a teacher certificate uh, and said, you know, that that's what educational freedom is. That's for the parent to decide. Which is which is interesting because educators would tell you that's what the state spent a hundred years trying to get away from. And, and if you read my story on this, there uh, is reference to a report from the Kansas Department of Agriculture. Well, at that point, the State Board of Agriculture uh, from a hundred years ago that uh, led into one-room schoolhouses and said that they were underperforming compared to other... Well, and, and, and obviously Representative Williams isn't talking about going back to that, but she is appealing to the nostalgia for a small a small entity with a teacher and a small class and the freedom to have different kinds of students mixing and perhaps helping each other. But, but the part of the argument for this is uh, frustration with student outcomes. Sure. The, thinking that student test scores are not where they should be. And when the state last tried the concept of one teacher in one room, with students of varying ages, the outcomes were not as good. Well, and did they even have standardized tests back? Well, I should know because I was there, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not quite that old. Um, my dad used to talk about how he was in the top 10 of his high school class. His high school class had 13 kids in it. Um, anyway, um, be that as it may, I mean, it's just... I, I, you could you could have a whole uh, three hour session on whether we should be judging kids and how they learn by standardized tests. Uh, there is an argument that if you do a lot of standardized tests, all you do is teach kids how to take standardized tests. Yeah, that and and this is a debate that's been going on for some time. Yeah, as as the I will say that I am the father of a former gifted student who it took her two until second grade to get into gifted because she was for a while not an especially well she was a good test taker but not a great enough test taker to get in and that irritated me because she was so obviously bright and gifted. I do wonder if the school choice debates this session have been the reason that the Keisha private school modifier hasn't gone through. Uh, this is not a sports podcast, but if you happen to care about your local high school sports team and their chances at a state championship, uh, the proposed modifier for private schools that could force them to move up a classification it sounds like that proposal is dead this year ah don't monkey with those classifications people people get used to their town playing other towns and well unless you're 5a girls and then you will get used to private school playing private school for the state championship yeah if you want to read more about that CGI story coming com. out sometime after this podcast, I believe. Oh, really? Well, I thought it already gone out. It, it is not up yet, uh, but maybe it will be by the well, time Well, now I have to read this, this story. As somebody who compiled uh, for years, we don't do them anymore, consensus prep football and basketball rankings, you know, I, I, I have an interest in this stuff. 
I always wonder what Lucas Lare- how Lucas Larey is doing, or you know, central burden. Well, if you want to read Jason's story and all the Capital Journal's other state government and beyond stories, you can head on over to cjonline.com. Follow us on Twitter at cjonline. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. We're on all the social media right, platforms. Right, and at, at Twitter, isn't he at Jason underscore Ted? Can you I appreciate confirm? you uh, saving me from having to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and John, what am I? Uh, at, it, I know it's got your ball, Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L in it. <laughs> Yep, that's the it. part I that's, remember. That's the handle. Uh, it's just my name, Andrew yeah. Ball. Yeah, and John is at APJD Hannah. Hannah with two N's and no H on the end. That's right. And you can find his written work at www.apnews.com backslash hand movement. with the hand movements, Kansas. And of course, y'all's work is at cjonline.com. And Jason, if people want to find back episodes of Children in the State House, and they do, where can they do that? Uh, wherever you found this one, <laughs> <laughs> which could be Spotify, Google Play. I will let you say the Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast. Look at this; we did the whole outro via like the Socratic method. Yes, exactly. Because we, because we are Socrat, we are classicists, right? <laughs> we're, we're not we're, Caleb Stegall. So. We are not Caleb Stegall classicists. Stegall or Stegall, isn't it Stegall? We've had this discussion, and I think we've pronounced it like multiple different ways on the anyway, podcast. Anyway, the Kansas alone. Supreme Court justice, we cannot ha- hold a candle to his classical no. scholarship, but we have we have between us read our Plato and Socrates, or Socrates, as <laughs> sometimes pronounced. I I prefer just watching uh, 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 Hercules on Disney Plus. <laughs> There you go. You got it in right at the end. You're gonna go. You you went the distance to get that in. I did. I see. I, I, I've I, I seen. I've seen Hercules approximately back in the day. I saw it approximately a hundred times. So. You went from hero to zero. Yes. Or zero to hero. Zero to Is hero. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I haven't been this choked up since I got a hunk of moussaka struck stuck in my throat. <laughs> Jason. Andrew. John. Andrew. Jason. A pleasure as always, gentlemen. What do you say we do this uh, of course. next week? Same time, same place? Maybe at some, maybe some point this session I'll be celebrating my elevation to state land fossil. <laughs> I've been lobbying for that. I've been mentioning it. Check back next week to see if that is the, the big reveal on Children in the State House. <laughs>